So today I'm going to talk about holiness, and there's, there's two parts to this message. Um, but before I get started, let me pray. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Make yourself known in here today. We want to know your purity, your holiness. We want to know you as you are. We invite you to come. We invite the cloud of your presence to come and fill this room. God, we give you permission, whatever it looks like, for you to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to give you all permission, so here's my little disclaimer ahead of time because stuff happens when, you know, we're speaking. Um, I want you to respond. To respond when, when the Lord, if the Lord is doing something in your heart, to find a way of responding. If you feel convicted, if you feel like repenting, don't wait until the end of the message. Why wait any longer if you need to repent of something? How long do we need to carry those burdens? I want to encourage you, if it means kneeling in front of your chair, if it means coming up to the altar, if you, you know, do whatever you have to do to respond and interact with the Lord. Because we didn't come here this morning just to hear a message. We came to meet with a person. And it does not bother or offend me or anyone else of leadership if you are interacting with that person that we came to meet with. That's the purpose of being here. And if, if somebody's responding to the Lord in a way that confuses you or looks weird, um, I just want to give you this one encouragement is to just stay in your heart, Lord, if that's you, that's okay. Because sometimes he'll interact with somebody in a different way and, and, um, and the Holy Spirit will manifest on them in a way that will violate our minds even though we're not the ones that are having that experience. But rather than getting offended at it, I don't want you to disconnect from what the Lord is doing because there's something that you don't understand. But to stay in the place of, God, if that's you, I'm okay with it. And even if you don't understand it, you have permission to not understand it. Okay? All right. So our, our launching pad for the next two weeks is kind of an obscure scripture. I didn't think it was an obscure scripture, but the people I've, I've talked to about it, they're like, oh, that's a weird scripture to preach from. <laughs> so I started to think, well, maybe it is a weird scripture to preach from. It's James 4.8. You can pull your Bible out, but I'm going to quote it. James 4.8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, O you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, this whole, this whole um, really series on holiness and purity, it came from, I was on a long car drive, and, and this is just a key for revelation. If you want to, you know, there's different keys for receiving revelation from the Lord. I was just saying this scripture over and over and over for at least an hour straight on a very long car drive. And the more, and, and I was speaking it out loud. Because if I say it internally, a lot of times my mind will kind of wander and go off into left field about groceries. 
But I just stay in that place. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. See, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. It's a promise. It's also a command. Anytime you see he will, it's a promise from God. He's saying, I'm going to do this. And draw near. He's saying, you should do this. This is our role is to draw near to him. And and this the scripture is actually about the process of, and I'm about to use a big Christian word, sanctification. Which really just means becoming holy. And it's this process of drawing near to God and he draws near to us. It's not a one-to-one. It's not like I take one step closer to God and he takes one step closer to me. Now, that's, that's not how God works. His grace is so much more than that. I take one little step closer to him and he comes running miles and miles closer to me. Because he's a good father. We see it in the story of the prodigal. That we, you know, we call it the story of the prodigal and the prodigal's coming back. But really the father left the home and ran after him. And his excitement. And that's what the Lord does with us. Now this, this, so we have to draw near to God. He will draw near to you. And then it's dovetailed with cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. And we actually see this, um, this coupling of cleansing our hands and purifying our hearts throughout scripture. Because who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Those with a clean hands and a pure heart. We need both, clean hands and pure heart. And clean hands speaks to righteous action. It's the things that we do. And we can do things with a, um, we can be obedient to the Lord and do everything that he's telling us to do, but also have impure motives in our doing it. So it's not just our actions, it's our motive. So today I want to talk about cleaning our hands. We're going to talk about the behavior because the way that we clean our hands is through repentance, but there's actually a right and a wrong way to repent. There's one way that will continue to keep us on this path of holiness. It will continue to draw us closer and closer to the Lord. And then there's another way, actually there's several other ways, but at least one where when we repent, it actually turns us away from the Lord and we start to believe things about ourselves that's not what he's saying. In Isaiah 35, it says, a highway will be there. He's describing something he's seeing in heaven. A highway will be there, a roadway, and it will be called the highway of holiness. Now, this is, this is the calling, this is the destiny of every believer. We are all called to walk in holiness. And I was asking the Lord, I said, Lord, I need a, I need a, way, a way of describing all these things that I'm feeling and seeing. And, and he gave me this picture of my son, Connor. And in this picture, Connor was running into the house and he was covered in dirt. He had dirt all over him and just looking at me. And I knew what the Lord was saying. Because there's a right and a wrong way to get clean. There's a right and a wrong way to repent. And I'm not saying like it's, it's terrible if you've been doing this thing. I'm saying there's a better way. The Lord is calling us to repent in a way that takes us closer to him, not further from him. 
So the first problem that we encounter when it comes to repentance is identity. See, there's a religious spirit that shares the same vocabulary as the Holy Spirit. It just twists the meaning. And see, in the religious spirit would say, to Connor, would say, you're always dirty. You're always going to be dirty. Yes, you need to get clean, but you're still going to be dirty. The religious spirit identifies us through past sin. And see, this is, it's one of the reasons that, that I love um, water baptism. <laughs> a couple other people like baptism. Because when we go under the water, that old man that was identified through sin dies. Dies, is done, is gone, is removed. That when we come up from the water, we are now a new creation alive in Christ. In a new creation, think of it like a new species. You're something totally different. If, if God were to say, I'm going to put a new creation um, on the stage today, I would expect it to be a different animal than anything I've ever seen before. And the reality is, even though our bodies are the same, when I go into the water, I'm one thing, and I come out and I'm something totally new. But the enemy will still try to identify you through those past things. Like, who's... That's right. That's right. Like, have you ever had one of those dreams where in the dream you're doing a sin or something that you used to do before you were saved... And then you wake up and you feel that same feeling like you just sinned. And what the enemy is doing is he's basically taking the spiritual corpse that died in that water and dumping it on you while you're asleep. And then hoping that when you sit up in the morning and you wake up, you're going to identify with the old man. That's why we, we get those feelings all stirred up. Because in the past, we were led by our feelings. It was all the, the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Which means I decide what, what I do, and I'm governed by my own feelings. So the enemy will put some of those similar feelings back on you. To where you feel like you've just committed sin. But you haven't. You just had a dream. Or there'll be an accusation from somebody from your past or a flashback from something from your past that will, again, try to get you to identify through it. It's a familiar thing, but it's not who you are. The truth is that's who you used to be. But now that we've died, that old man is dead dead, is gone, is done away with, I am now a new creation in Christ. What's new? Everything inside of me is new. Before, I wasn't able to obey God. I wasn't able to love people. And see, just the fact that we wake up and we feel bad about it, 
That shows that you care. That shows that your heart has changed. Before, that was stuff that you used to seek out. You know, say, say you have this terrible dream of, of uh, doing drugs, if you used to do drugs, and, and you wake up and you feel the conviction, or the, not the conviction, the sin of that, the, the guilt, the, just the yuck of it. The fact that you identify it as yuck, as gross, shows that your heart is new, that you are a new creation. See, we no longer are governed by our feelings. We're now governed by faith. You with me? I got about half of you. We w- <laughs> this side. <laughs> we were governed by feelings and now we're governed by faith. See, I used to identify through what I did. I used to recognize that that's who I was because I was a sinner. That was my identity. But now that Christ has come, I'm a new creation. I'm alive in him that I actually, I don't even have to identify through those past things. And it makes me grateful. Like when I get a flashback now of, of something I used to do, it doesn't, it doesn't make me feel condemned or guilty or, or any of those things. It reminds me, God, I thank you so much. That was stuff I sought out in the past. That's not who I am anymore. We don't, we're not identified through sin. But then there's also other, you know, now that we're in, in the church, there's other identity problems that come up. We could, we could draw identity from the way that we're received in a church or the way that we're received as the fivefold. See, Paul said, to some, I may not be an apostle, but to you, I am. And that means his identity isn't switching from one people group to another. It's an office that he occupies. Who he is is the same regardless of which people group he's with. And, and I kind of thought it was funny. I, I never really understood how much this, this gets ingrained, at least in, I'll say charismatic culture, um, because we believe in the fivefold. But I actually had somebody that, and, and if y'all have heard me speak before, I've mentioned this several times, that um, had this amazing encounter of receiving a mantle of, of a prophet and Enoch, you know, showing up in an open vision and giving him this mantle of a prophet. And I was like, man, that's, that's intense. <laughs> and, and he is a prophet. He's in the office of a prophet. But the problem was his identity was tied to that office. So that when he gave a wrong prophetic word, and we're supposed to judge prophetic words, when he gave a wrong prophetic word, thank you, <laughs> and, and we had to adjust and correct that word, it was very difficult for him because it wasn't just weighing and judging the word, he felt like we were judging him. As if we were saying that he wasn't called as a prophet, which wasn't what we were saying at all. But our identity isn't tied to where we are in the fivefold. And just real quick, I'm going to look at the fivefold. 
Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of faith. That means that the fivefold is temporary. If I identify too much, if I say, you know, I'm a teacher, I'm, I'm not an apostle or evangelist or prophet, I'm cutting myself off. Because which was Jesus? So which are we to be? We can occupy an office. And I'm not saying that there's not mantles and encounters or, or anything like that. I love the fivefold. I'm just saying that, that we don't draw too much identity from where we are in the body of Christ because the fivefold is the ministry to people and we don't get our identity from people. So we don't get our identity from the past and we don't get our identity from people. So where do we get our identity from? We get it from the Lord. It's a very good Sunday school answer. Jesus. That's where we get our identity. It's Jesus. That's going to be right every time. But before I go into what that looks like, there's another, there's another thing that's kind of come up in the church where um, there's a false grace that's afraid to say that Connor had dirt. You with me? See, in Proverbs, it actually says it's a curse to call wickedness righteous. And, and at the same time, we don't war against flesh and blood, which means that the person is never the problem. You with me? See, we have to be in a place where we can say, that sin, but I see that this isn't who you're made to be. This is just some dirt that's on you. It's not who you are, but it's hindering you from fulfilling the calling that God has for you. Amen. He's a good father and he disciplines his children. It's an act of love. I actually pray, God, discipline me. Correct me harshly. Correct me quickly. Because every time he corrects me, I know it's a good correction, and it's because he loves me. He wants what's best for me. And some of us have had, had parents or had um, fathers that corrected not because they wanted what was best for us, so it can be hard for us to get to that place. But he's a good father, and everything he does is because of love. He might not be like your, your earthly father or your earthly mother. But when he disciplines, it's because he loves. And he's not saying you're filthy. He's saying this thing that I see is in the way of what I have for you. It's like holding a clump of dirt. And sometimes we just hold on to the dirt for so long. And all the, all the while he's saying, no, 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 give me that dirt. I have something amazing for you. And if I, though I'm an earthly dad, can extend such grace to my son that when he comes in, I want to help him get clean, how much more our heavenly father will help us to get clean when we approach him and come into his house? I had this experience once 
um, for those of you that don't know my testimony, um, where I was in heaven, not like in a mind's eye in heaven, like I was in heaven. Um, and I was in the throne room, and I remember being in the throne room and kneeling down. I think I was on the sea of glass. I don't really know. I was not getting up and looking around is the point. But I remember, I knew I was in front of the throne, and I remember the holiness. You see, the holiness of God, it's, it exposes how often we're motivated by things other than love. How, how we're motivated and directed by things that are impure so frequently. Because when we're in the presence of a pure holiness, that he never, he never sins. He never has one wrong motivation. He never has one wrong thought. You can't help but respond to that conviction. Because the light in him exposes any and all darkness in me. And we're called to be shining ones. You know, we, we talk up here about being shining ones. And we're going to shine. And we're going to shine with the glory of the Lord. And the shining is a manifestation of holiness. It's where we remove everything that blocks that light from shining. But if we want to remove anything that's blocking that, that light from shining, first we have to be willing to acknowledge, hey, I'm not shining in this area. See, we still have a need for repentance. Repentance is not a bad thing in light of grace. It is grace that leads us to repentance. There is a godly sorrow that leads men to repentance. And it's hard to, to describe the difference between the godly sorrow and, and the false guilt of the enemy. But I'll say this, that once you've repented, that feeling of godly sorrow leaves. But if it's a false guilt from the enemy, it'll stay. Because the enemy will come with guilt and say that you're not forgiven. Or he'll come with shame and he'll say, that's still who you are. Or he'll come with condemnation and say that your life is worthy to be judged. And all of those are lies. So how do we repent? How do we get ourselves clean? Because he says, cleanse your hands. He's not saying he's going to do it all for you. There's a participation in it. The way that we cleanse our hands is by repenting. The blood is enough. But we have to confess our sins because if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to purify you of all unrighteousness. But that word if means it's conditional. We have to repent. We're turning away from what we were and we're becoming what we were made to be in the first place. Made in his image and in his likeness. We have to agree with what he's saying when he says, that's not who I made you to be. That's not who you really are. So here's what it looks like. If I recognize that I've sinned, Father, forgive me. That's not who you made me to be. I, 
pray the blood of Jesus would cleanse me, wash me of all unrighteousness. Bring me back to righteousness and right standing with you. I thank you that I was created to walk with you. I was made to be in your image and in your likeness. I'm not going to identify through those things of the past. That's not who I am. You've created me for purity. So we let go of the sin. We don't identify through the sin. And we agree with his truth because now we're letting go of the feeling of sin. We're letting go of the the experiences of the sin to where now I'm aligning my heart with truth because I'm a new creation, a new being that gets built up and I grow in the place of faith working through love. See, prior to, to going under the water and coming up, I had no way of growing. But now that I'm a new creation... I grow in faith, working through love. I start to believe that what he says about me is true. And the more that I agree with that, the more that faith is built in me, in the same way that I receive Christ, I get rooted and grounded in him. I received him through faith. I get rooted and grounded through faith that I don't identify through those things of the past anymore. They have no place in me. I identify through him. That it's no longer I who live apart from him. It's Christ who lives in me. That now I'm a son. I'm a son. He's the firstborn among many sons. And if he's the first among many sons, there's more than one. That means that when we go under the water, and we get born again. We're born into this reality that we are sons and daughters of God, that as we see him as he is, so shall we be because we're his children and we're walking in that identity. We start to see that we were made for his image and his likeness and that everything else was what we became through the fall of man. That was what we were never created to be in the first place. I get hot when I preach. (laughs) Now, not only do we repent and turn away from our sin, but how do we keep ourselves on that highway? Because it's our responsibility. A lot of times we get in this God, you know, I need you to do it all for me mentality. But the reality is he's given us the ability to do it all with him. Now, when I started this series, I started to write it. It was originally something that I'd attended for, um, for singles and, and on sexual purity. But, but purity and holiness, uh, it doesn't change once you get married and have sex. You still, you're still holy. <laughs> Praise the Lamb. <laughs> I got a bunch of amens from men in the room. So how do we keep ourselves in holiness? 
First Thessalonians 4, 3 through 4. This is the will of God, your sanctification, or uh, the ESV says, your holiness. That is that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. That means that we each have a responsibility for keeping ourselves on the right track. And there's going to be things that are going to be different from one person for another. For some people, being on, on Facebook or Instagram, it puts them in a tailspin. But for other people, it's okay. It's not a big deal. We each have a responsibility of knowing how to keep ourselves in a place free from sin. But there are, there's clear guidance from the word for, um, for principles and ways that we can keep ourselves holy. In Proverbs, uh, I think it's Proverbs 5, it says, avoid the house of adultery. So he's, he's describing to his son, hey, Watch this lady, this is looking at the house of adultery. And a young man walks by who's naive. He walks by at night. He goes by the house, gets drawn in, and and commits adultery. And David with Bathsheba, he, he looked. He was up on the housetop and he was looking. He was somewhere he shouldn't have been. So the principle that we can take from this is, if I see that there's an area where I'm going to be tempted, avoid it. It's not hard. Like, we don't, we don't have to put ourselves in compromising situations. If, if you see that there's somebody, if you're single, I'm not, okay, I need to not make eye contact with people. <laughs> I'll keep my eyes closed. Right, here, there, ceiling, good. <laughs> Take it out, Matthew, okay. <laughs> if you're single and you know that you're attracted to somebody and that being alone with them is going to put you in a compromising situation, then you owe it to yourselves to protect your own purity and have value for your own holiness enough to stay away from that situation. See, the truth is we have a spirit of self-control. We have the fruit of self-control. We like all the other ones. We like love. We kind of like patience. (laughs) We really like joy. Get to self-control and it's... But you've been given the fruit of self-control. That means that you can control yourself. You're not bound to sin. So anytime you hear somebody... I need to keep looking up. Anytime you hear somebody <laughs> that's saying that, that they, they can't control themselves, they just have to do this, they have to do this, they have to do this, it's not true. You're not bound to sin anymore. You're believing a lie about yourself that says that you're still in bondage to the sin that you died to. And also... A couple more principles on staying holy. 1 Thessalonians 5, 22. Abstain from the appearance of evil. That means that if something is even going to look wrong from the outside, I owe it to myself to not do that. You with me? 
This especially applies for, for leaders. And, and for a long time, I struggled with, you know, meeting one-on-one with women. And, and it's like, well, I don't want it to look this way or look that way. But in case you haven't noticed, storehouse is like 80% women. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so I meet with, if, if I have to meet with, with um, somebody, I try to meet with them first here or um, or in the right setting so that it doesn't give the wrong idea. I don't want to do things that appear evil. Not just for my sake, but also just for those of us that are in leadership. Um, I don't want to cause someone else to stumble. If, if me drinking, oh, that just hit something. I felt that in the spirit. <laughs> if me drinking would cause one other person to stumble as a leader, I owe it to them to not put them in a place where they're going to stumble that I have to hold myself to a higher standard of walking in righteousness in a way that's not going to stumble someone else. All right. You singles ready? This is the last one. I'm going to drive it home with this one. Oh, no. <laughs> And a lot of you have heard me say this in, in one-on-one and counseling stuff. He says it's not good for a man to touch a woman. Paul says this in Corinthians. He says it's not good for a man to touch a woman. Now, he's not saying, like, to just, you know, tap somebody on the shoulder is a sin, right? What he's saying is with desire. That in doing that, you're going to stir up something else. And, and we all know this. I mean, you, you go from holding hands to holding hands doesn't feel like enough to then you got to sit closer and put your arm around. Oh, I need to look up. Put your arm around somebody. <laughs> and then it's a kiss. And then it's not just a kiss. And you're making out. And then hands are going in places they're not supposed to go. But it's all because we stirred up something before it was time. Now, for you, it might not be um, it might not be a sin for you to, to kiss your girlfriend. It's not a sin, actually. But what it does do is it starts to draw you down that path. Or if it doesn't draw you, it might draw her. So we owe it to each other to keep ourselves from stumbling. We have to hold our holiness in a high regard. This calling, this thing of... Being Christ-like, made in the image of Christ, needs to mean more. If I can't see Jesus doing it, it's like those old little bracelets that they used to have. What would Jesus do? If I can't see Jesus doing it, why would I do it? All right. Y'all mad at me? You good? All right. So here's what we're going to do. Um, can I get a little bit of background music to make me feel more spiritual? <laughs> Sorry, was I not supposed to say that? <laughs> so if something from this spoke to you, we're, we're not going to have a, the, the prayer team come up and do the, the typical thing of, uh, mostly because I forgot to message you guys last night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yep, that happened. Um, <laughs> but here's what I want you to do. Just ask the Lord. 
Lord, is there something I need to turn away from? Is there something that I need to be cleansed from? And just take a second, just come up here. We're not uh, leaders. You can, you can pray for people as, as they're coming up. But just take a second and connect with the Lord. Give him your heart. And when you ask for forgiveness and you're repenting and you're turning away from those things, remember, he's going to speak to you about who he created you to be. This thing, it's just some dirt. It's been dealt with in the blood. That we can walk clean and holy. So, Father, we thank you that you're a good Father. Speak to our hearts, God. We want to walk more like you. We want to look more like you, and you're holy. You're pure in everything that you do. God, I just ask you to move in this room right now. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Any area of our lives that we need to repent of, We give you permission to highlight right now, knowing that you discipline us because you love us. You want us to walk in holiness. So I'm just going to wait a second, and I invite you to come up. If the Lord is, is moving on you right now, I want you to come up. Just kneel up at the front.